Praise God. Well, we are continuing our series, This Is That. Somebody shout, This Is That. I said, Somebody shout, This Is That. I want to tell you that today it's modeled after Acts chapter 2. When Acts chapter 2 says, Peter stood up and said, oh, yeah, they're drunk. I know you think they're drunk. They are drunk, but they're not drunk as you suppose. But this is that which the prophet Joel spoke of, that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Come on. And I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh and whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Somebody shout, this is that. It's hard to believe that we're in this is us for 25 weeks. It's hard to believe that we're in part six already of this is that. But it's even more hard to believe that we are 59 days away from Elevate Conference. 59 days, y'all. Under 60 days now. Glad to see the construction going on out there. As, as Austin said earlier, men, make good decisions and pay attention where you're going. That's all I'm going to say. Read the signs, praise God. Signage is a beautiful thing. But in six hours, 120 people got filled with the Holy Ghost. This is that happened. And in six hours, they left that, that upper room, and they were already ministering. They were already being the church. They found a man called the gate called Beautiful on their way in the temple to pray, who had been laying there, and the Bible says lame from his mother's womb. And the ghost goes on to tell us that he was over 40-something years old. We know he was at least over 40 years old. And he's shook his can at him and said, give me some money so I could get a shot. And Peter said, I ain't got no money to give you a shot, but what I do have, I will freely give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Then he reached down and grabbed him by the arm and he pulled him up. And a man who had never even known the sensation in his feet of what it felt like to have feeling in his feet, jumped up and started dancing, jumped up and started rejoicing, jumped up and started started praising. Can I tell you something? If you ain't never praised before, but all of a sudden you was a praiser, all of a sudden you knew that what you could, what the doctor said was impossible, had been reversed, and there was no side effects, I guarantee you wouldn't stand up and, and just give him a song. Hallelujah. No, you would dance like a wild man. You wouldn't care what people thought about you. You wouldn't care what you look like. I'm ready for some people to praise God with a crazy praise. I'm ready for some people to praise God like they've been set free from something. You ever been set free? Has God ever done anything for you, Solid Rock? Then don't you give him some patty cake baby praise. Huh? And then mar the people marveled. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. They said, we have never seen this man do anything but lay at the temple. And they started looking and they started being amazed at Peter. Now watch this, because where I'm going today is very important for you to get this. Notice that the first thing that he told the man at the gate called Beautiful, when he was trying to get something from him, he said, look on us. Look at me. In other words, there's something on me. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Peter already had a revelation. Watch this. His spirit man was saying some things that he didn't even fully understand himself. 
In other words, he was saying, you need to, if you can see what's on me, because he could feel something on him. He said, if you can see what's on me, you can have what's in me. And he looked at him, gazed at him, and the miracle happened. Well, watch what happened. When, when the man that was lame was healed, what did everybody else start doing? They all started looking at Peter. The Bible said they started meditating and gazing on Peter. Now, I know that it means that they thought that they were, they had, he had some kind of special power. But if you really delve in and you really look at it and you follow the pattern, it's almost like when he was standing next to, because remember I preached to you that the man that was healed, even though he was healed, even though he didn't need help standing up, even though he didn't need crutches, even though he didn't have somebody trying to help him keep his balance. Because i got news for you. If you're leaping and you're jumping and you're dancing, you ain't got no balancing issues. You ain't, come on, y'all ain't hearing me this morning. But yet he would not let go of Peter. The Bible said he kept holding on to Peter. Why? Why would he not let go of Peter? Because there was something on Peter. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me preach this morning. My dog got up this morning so happy. He, just, he ain't been that happy long. I don't know what was up with him this morning. It was like he was expecting something. That dog was there. He was loving on me, jumping. Sandy, Sandy hauled him from the kitchen when I was in there looking on my sermon. She was like, what is wrong with him this morning? I said, he's just extra happy. I just realized I think he saw something on me. Huh? I think my dog saw something on me, Fred. He kept trying to jump on me, lick on me. He wouldn't let me do nothing. And that ain't like my dog. My dog is chill, y'all. He gets a little bit inside. He goes out the door. He goes, does his business. He comes in and he plops down. But this morning, I'm going to tell the truth. This morning, he's just following me around going, <laughs> I, I, I turned the corner where the steps was. He thought I was going to go up the steps. I was going to the next room. I turned like this. He <laughs> shot up the steps. I was like, I'm not up there. <laughs> he almost busted it coming down. I was like, what is up with you, man? I realized today he just he saw something on me. Peter said, Why stand you amazed and gazing at me as if I have done this thing? And then he goes into prison. And he, he lays out the whole thing about Jesus dying on the cross and resurrection. And he says, Let me tell you something. Everything that's been done has been done because of the death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, 3,000 people said, Okay, I'll take him. I want him to make my King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 121 to 3,120. In a matter of hours, another 5,000 was added. 8,120. We know 8,000 of that 8,120 that is listed was men plus women and children. So we're talking 10, 15 to 20,000 people probably were born again and joined the church in less than 24 hours because of one miracle. Am I preaching good? And by the end of that day, the church had grown so much and messed up, the messed up the religious world so much, they arrested Peter and John. They thought they could shut this thing down. And hey, The devil is stupid. Can I just say something? He's stupid. He's ugly. He's got bad breath. Huh? Everything, if I could cuss him right now, I'd cuss him, but the Lord won't let me do it. Everything I could say bad about the devil, I ain't scared of him. I'll say it to him. I had a preacher, 
I had a preacher a long time ago come up to me early on in the ministry when I was just a young buck. Came up to me afterwards when I said that. When I started saying this, I hate that stinking thing. I, I said, you got bad hair. You got bad breath. You a cockroach. I hate you. Come on, boy. Yes, all you got. I started taunting the devil. He come up to me after church. I'll never forget it. We stood, we, I mean, we didn't have 20 people in the church. He, we were meeting in a house. He come up to me after, afterwards. He's standing in the kitchen of the house we was meeting in. He goes, man, that was a great sermon today. He said, but can I give you just a little bit of wisdom? I'll never forget it. Sandy knows where I'm going. I was like, okay, go ahead because I need wisdom. He said, he said, you might need to be careful how you talk to the devil. I was like, do what? He said, now I know we got authority, but, you know, you're going to get attacked. Why add to the attack and just add, ask for more? Because I heard you today say, come on, devil. I was in my early 20s. I didn't know nothing. But I, my spirit man knew enough to tell him, let me tell you something. Huh? My spirit man knew enough of this. I greater is he that's within me on day one. On day one, baby. Day one. Wait, wait, let me back up. Greater is he that's within me in second one. Second one. I'm talking about when I say, Jesus, forgive me my sins, come into my heart and save me. I confess you as my Lord and say, when I say, in Jesus' name, well, back up. Even before I even close it with an amen, when I say, Lord, I confess you as my Lord and Savior, boom, greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. I ain't scared of no devil. See, trying to start my introduction. Forty years is a generation. Forty years, an entire generation was miracleless. I just made up a word. I have my own dictionary, y'all. Y'all don't know. Forty years. He, he didn't ask him to take him to Walmart where everybody was. Huh? He said, what I know I need should be at the temple. So lay me at the, at the gate. Lay me at the place where the most people go in, which is the entrance, the gate called beautiful. And the Bible says every day for a generation he was laid there. He looked up at hundreds, if not thousands, of worshipers going into the temple, trying to see something on them. Mm. And on none of them was what he saw that day, except maybe Jesus. Can you imagine that those, those three and a half years? Of course, he'd been going through his whole, his, Jesus' entire life. But when he began his ministry in the natural, even though he was God, that's when the Holy Ghost, his own spirit, came on him. And he began to operate in an anointing as a man anointed by his spirit to be an example to us after he was baptized by John. Can you imagine him walking by? He had to have seen the glory of God on Jesus. He had to have been confused of why Jesus would not be the one to heal him, especially when he began to hear the stories of all the healings that were happening wherever Jesus went. 
But Jesus is intentional. He didn't do one thing by mistake. And just because he didn't heal the man at the gate called Beautiful during his three and a half years of ministry did not mean that he did not desire for him to be healed. Jesus, say this with me, Jesus is big picture. See, Jesus plays the long game. He'll take you where you're at, and he'll develop you. He don't expect you to be the perfect child of God on day one. Huh? That's why he's got the word of God to renew us and change us and form us. Now, it may not make sense to your religious mind, and it may not seem fair, and it may not seem right, but I'm telling you, knowing the character of Jesus, he loved that man at the gate called Beautiful. He knew he had the answer, but I'm telling you, he, he also remembered what he told the disciples. He knew the destiny of this man. Now, we know multitudes that follow Jesus, but to my memory, and you correct me if I'm wrong. If I am, I'll state that I'm wrong. But I don't remember any account during the three and a half years of ministry where it says 3,000 and 5,000 people came to him and declared him as Lord and Savior to his face, to Jesus. Now, they followed him in masses, listened to his teaching, experienced miracles. But what happened through Peter and one man was something that didn't even happen in the ministry of Jesus to him. And it was intentional for it not to happen that way because Jesus was not going to allow people to create something called a movement of the church while he was still here because when he went to his father, we, he knew the nature of man would shut down and believe that we could not do this without the one that was here when it started. So Jesus the long game was he came in the form of a virgin to live a sinless life, to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven, to be raised from the dead, to give us the power of the resurrection. But ultimately what it was all about was to empower us and to put on us what was on him so so that when we did that, when we began to operate in that, even though we can't see him, even though we can't talk to him face to face like I'm talking to you and see the bodily, the bodily form of Jesus, we don't doubt that God can do it because we've seen God move on men and women of God. Y'all ain't hearing me. One day, the generation, Randy, switched. One day, Jesus, isn't it awesome that Peter and John and the disciples were born in the Jesus generation? Even though Jesus never had a beginning, because the Word of God is God, He's always existed, His body was born when the Bible says this simple young girl named Mary, who was highly favored by God, was doing her stuff one day that she does every day, and an angel appeared. Now listen to the words. The angel appeared unto Mary and said, Don't be afraid, for God has declared you to be chosen and highly favored 
above all other women. Now, this is Larry Raglan, unauthorized paraphrase, so that you can make it understandable. Don't freak out by what I'm about to tell you. You're about to have a child. Now, the reason he said don't freak out, couplefold. Number one, it's an angel telling you you're pregnant. But if that's not big enough, even bigger than the fact that an angel is telling you you're pregnant is the fact that you are old enough to know how babies are made. And you're running your mind right now thinking, did something happen at that party when I was, you know, that I'm not, what is he talking about? You're, you're trying to figure out, but no, no, not Mary. Mary wasn't thinking that because Mary was holy. And she had separated herself. And she had not even been touched physically by her fiancé, Joseph. So she knew there was no way it could be possible. It's not possible. How many knows it's not possible? It's not possible. But then the angel says something very powerful. It's very, very important for you to get this so that you can get where I'm going. He says the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Are you hearing me? And the child that you shall conceive will be conceived and born of God and shall be the son of God. And you will call his name Jesus, which means Savior, because he will save his people from their sin. Now, some of y'all are like, what is that? This ain't Christmas. Why are you talking about this? It's the greatest tragedy in the world that we never talk about the resurrection except Easter and never talk about the birth of Christ except Christmas. The two most important events in the history of humanity ought to make its way into every message we preach. Now watch this. The Holy Spirit shall overshadow you. Somebody shall overshadow you. Now, as we continue... Can you mute, mute every channel except the keyboard? I hear some kind of something up here is driving me, my OCD, insane. There it is. Thank you. You got it, I think. Now, Acts chapter 4, I still hear it. That's okay. Hallelujah. Y'all push your hands this way and say, help him, Jesus. Let him get through his sermon. You knew it was coming, didn't you? The whole time, you knew it was coming. You're sitting there feeling, you're praying in the Holy Ghost going, Lord, let him not hear that buzz. Lord, let him not hear that buzz. Don't let him be too mean when he says it. That was sweet, wasn't it? Did I, was I sweet? Passable, passable, okay. <laughs> I'm going to keep that thing out here permanently, y'all, because I, I need to press that button for myself, praise God. And then it makes me feel good because I can say anything I want to say to y'all and press that button and I'm okay. No, you need one for home, sister. I need, I need one that's attached to you. No, I'm just kidding. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. All that that happened, thrown in jail. Remember last week I told you, they told, they told them, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And they got bolder and bolder and bolder. The Bible says in verse 23, and being let go, they were released because they knew they, remember last week I told you, the last thing I told you, it says they come to the conclusion that they had been with Jesus. 
Right after that, they said, okay, we, we can't keep them. we got to let them go. So they let them go. Watch this. And when they did, Peter and John went to their own companions and reported to all the chief priests and elders had what is said to them. So when they heard that, watch this, when they heard the command, this is not just Peter and John. This is the church. Somebody shout the church. They raised their voice to God. See, the command was to Peter and John to shut up. And when Peter and John told them what the priest had told them to tell them to shut up, the church said, hey, we're not going to expect you to be loud and boisterous and bold. We're going to join you. So they raised their voice to God with what? One accord. Do you see the pattern? Do you see what happens when people get in unity? Are you with me, church? And they said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and sea and all that was in them. I don't know about y'all, but I'm tired. Listen, it's not, it's not the world that's trying to settle us down. It's the church that's trying to tell us that this is that is no more relevant. Let me tell you something. There is not one thing that the kingdom of God has ever inserted into this world that has ever stopped being relevant. You show me one place in Scripture. Don't give me this. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Read it in context. It's talking about when, when that which is perfect has come, which is Jesus Christ. And when Jesus comes, Christ comes back. Ain't no we don't need for the gifts of the Spirit because we're going to be living with the Spirit. <laughs> now, when they got loud, somebody shout when they got loud. Mm-hmm. Y'all don't even think y'all ready for this. Verse 31. Chapter 4, verse 31. I'm skipping all the way down. I ain't going to cover what, all he, what they would begin to preach again. Chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Do y'all see the scripture? And all, how many? How many? All were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all spoke the word of God with what? Woo! What you didn't see, leave that scripture up there. Leave it up there. Because I'm going to show you something. The first thing you need to see is that they were a church that prayed. So, huh? Second thing you need to say, see, is that they prayed in a place. Oh, y'all didn't get that. Because one of the biggest things that's trying to happen to the New Testament church right now is a, an attempt to try to tell us that we don't need to have to get together anymore. No, there needs to be a place where you know you can go where other people are praying, where other people are praising, where other people are shouting, where other people are like you. 
Huh, you can go to the lake on Sunday. You might run into somebody drinking a good, uh, drinking a beer and talking about the good Lord. And y'all might be able to sit there and, and both drink beer and talk about end times prophecy and think you have in church. But I got news for you. You ain't going to find God on the lake in that situation like you're going to find him in here. Some of y'all want to find him on a golf course. You want to find him in your bed sleeping late. You want to find him in somebody else's bed. Want to get up after sleeping and spending the night with somebody that ain't even your spouse. And you want to live stream us the next day and feel okay. The reason you feel okay is because you ain't in the place. This ain't a place of judgment, but this is a place of his glory. And let me tell you, when Isaiah the prophet got in his glory, he said, woe is me, a man of unclean lips. When you get in the place, oh, and by the way, by the way, the Bible says in Acts and Isaiah, when we're talking about that, the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and he, and he was in the glory, and he saw the angels crying, holy, holy, holy. And the Bible says, that's when he cried out, woe is me, a man of unclean lips. And the Bible says, as the angels began to praise and cry out, holy, 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 the whole earth is filled with the glory, that the Bible says, the doors of the post began to shake. The same thing that happened in the New Testament church when they got together in one place. They assembled. Somebody shout assemble. Avengers assemble. No. This is us. Assemble. Dun, dun, dun. The power bands. This is us. Okay. My mind, I had so many things I could say right there. But I was like, if I go there, I'll never finish this. I was thinking about Wonder Twins. Activate in the form of cloven tongues of fire. <laughs> Glory to God. This new, I've been drinking. Oh, I've been drinking, sister. I am slapped drunk right now. You don't even know. I got a, I got a, I got top shelf stuff back there, y'all. Come on, I got tongues. I got interpretation of tongues up there. I got prophecy. I got healing. I got miracles. Oh, I got faith. I got words of wisdom. I got words of knowledge. And, oh, before I ever come out from behind the veil, I'll make sure I belly up to the bar, baby. And, oh, I'm drunk, but I ain't drunk like you suppose. Assembled together. Assembled. Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another. Now watch this. And so much more as you see the day approaching. How many knows the closer we get to the end times, the more we need to be in the place. But yet the world has invented a technology that its ultimate purpose is to disconnect us from assembling together. We have thousands or hundreds of friends, but don't know any of them. The word assembling in the original Greek means to be, watch this, a complete collection. When I read that, I thought, my God, what power? Because what it means, it's like, 
It's like you're trying to collect all of the Star Wars figures. But you are missing Boba Fett. If you've never seen Star Wars, that just went And if it just went I'm going to have a prayer altar call for you in just a minute for you that never watched Star Wars and you're going to repent and get right with God. (laughs) Sister. I'm going to tell you, at one point, that's your next level of anointing. You've got to watch Star Wars because you want to understand this. My daughter, I've raised them so much on, 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 uh, on Star Wars. I was with my youngest daughter the other day, and, and uh, a ringtone, a funny ringtone came on her phone, and I was laughing. I said, that's your ringtone? She goes, oh, yeah, call me. Listen to your ringtone. So I called her, and it was, she's like, I said, like, I don't even know how to take the fact that you're, ne- you're calling me Darth Vader. She's like, Dad, it has nothing to do with that. It's, it's because of the line, I am your father. But it's like you need everybody in the collection to be there or there's a void. See, you don't think you matter. But if you are a part of this house, God needs you here for the full assembly. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. It goes on to say from my Strong's, I'm reading directly from the Strong's, a complete collection, especially in a Christian meeting or worship, a gathering together, a gathering together in one place. An assembly of Christians. That's what the word means. The writer of Hebrews was saying, I need you people to understand you're not going to be able to make it unless you assemble together. Revival was born in unity. Holy Spirit was birthed in unity. And it will only flourish in unity. Watch what happened when they came together. Somebody shout together. Verse 32, it says, Now when the multitude of those who believed were of one heart. Do you see the pattern of unity here? Were of one heart and one soul. That means one mind. Neither did anyone even say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. My God. In other words, it's not about you. It's about who's in you and on you. Now watch what happens when they got to that place of unity. Now remember, this is all just within a day or two of the man at the gate called beautiful being healed. Are you still with me? That's still fresh on everyone's mind. Verse 33, because it started out with great power on Peter. Look at us and John. Then the miracle happened, and it was continued great power on Peter and John. But then watch how that was never God's intention for the great power to only be on the preacher. Verse 33, and with great power, and with great power, everybody shout power. 
Do you know what that power is? What word that power is? It's the same word of Acts chapter 1 verse 8 when Jesus said, you shall receive power. And he said that not to the disciples, but to the masses. It's the word dunamis, which means dynamite, explosive power. And with great dunamis explosive power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Let me tell you something. There was such an anointing. I ain't going to preach this today. It'll be another day. But right after that, right after that, it tells an unusual story. It says that everybody sold all their possessions and shared them to fund the kingdom. And there was a couple named Ananias and Sapphira that sold some land. And it came time for them to come and make their donation. And Peter, standing there under the, under the anointing of God, had nothing to do with Peter, had everything to do with what was on Peter and who was on Peter. They thought they were talking to Peter. They were talking to Peter in the natural, but they were talking straight to God in the spiritual because he was God's man. And the Bible says, he says, okay, is this it? And, and, and uh, Ananias said, uh, yeah, this is everything. And he says, okay, uh, Holy Spirit. And Peter had no way of knowing this, but the Holy Spirit revealed to him, he is lying directly to me. And says, because, watch this, 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 this seems, people don't like to preach on this, especially New Testament uh, hyper-grace, greasy grace preachers that, that don't want to preach about repentance and don't want to preach about holiness and don't want to preach about any kind of fear of God or anything like this. The Bible said when they lied to the Holy Ghost, he said, you see these men, this is what Peter said, you see these men standing at the tent right now? And I looked over and said, they're about to bury you. Boom, dropped to the ground. Dropped to the ground dead. The Bible said he, he, breathed, he breathed no more. They took him out and buried him. It happened so fast. They said, hey, where's, where's Sapphira's wife? Get her in here and see, give her a chance to tell us the truth. Sapphira came in, said, hey, what's, they had conspired. See, they had already conspired on an amount to lie to God. Let me tell you something. It's one thing to lie to God, but when you're at the birth pains of the church and God is using this way to establish and fund the church, I know you'll never need to lie to God. That was on another level right there because this was, this was, I'm talking about this was the beginning of that. He said, let me tell you something. So tell us, tell us, your husband just came in here and he just shared with us that y'all sold your land and, and uh, he told us the amount of money that you got for it. Is that right? Is that the amount? Oh, yes, that's absolutely what we got. Are you sure? You, you, are you sure that's the amount you Oh, yes, absolutely, that's what we got. He said, well, you see those men standing over in the tent? Go read your Bible. He said, they just got through burying your husband and they're about to bury you. Boom, she died. With it, before the sun went down, they were both in the ground. And the Bible says, great fear came on the people of God. Now, some people don't want to be afraid of God. Now, watch, I'm not talking about afraid of, a, of God as an abusive father. But I'm talking about honoring God and fearing that what you sow, so shall you reap. You can't live a life that is openly in defiance of God and not expect to have to go through some hell while you're here on this earth. Huh? Are you hearing me? If you are living your life for hell, hell's going to show up at your house. You can't mock God for the rest of your life and expect it to be okay. Check one. Did y'all hear me? Can y'all hear me in the back? If you hear me in the back, shout amen, amen. You heard me. My God, it's a man that couldn't hear for 13 years in one ear, and he just heard me clear in both ears. Some of y'all back like, I don't know, I don't know, I was, I was a little confused. All right. 
Everybody still with me? Everybody still alive? Take a deep breath. Because now I'm going to preach my sermon. I'm not kidding. So, let's skip forward to chapter 5, verse 12. Chapter 5, verse 12. This happened right after the Ananias and Sapphira. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And there were all in. There it is again. Why? One accord. Do you see the pattern? Here's how we lost miracles. Here's how we lost evangelism. Here's how it all slowed down. We stopped being in one accord. We made it about us and about, instead of about him. And look, watch this. They're still in Solomon's porch. They don't even have a building yet. See, some of y'all think, well, I could just get a building. Our church would grow. They were running in over 10,000 people meeting in the place of the Gentiles under a canopy. Many of them, most of them couldn't even fit under Solomon's porch because it wasn't that big. So they were standing in the open heat and sunshine in the rain and in the storms. Thousands of people, no sound system, no instruments, no lights, no screens, no paved parking lot, no car to get them there. If they wasn't blessed enough to ride a donkey, most of them had to walk to church. They were all in one accord in Solomon's port. Yet none of the rest Outside, the religious, they were there. They listened, but they dared join them. They were scared. But the people did esteem them highly. In other words, they had respect. They had earned respect because of this miracle in the eyes of people who didn't even believe in them. They couldn't deny it. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. How many knows at some point they had to stop counting? This tells me that this increase was even greater than the 8,000. Or they would have been, it would have been easy to count. So they got to the place now where growth was becoming so natural that it says they just increased daily multitudes, both men and women, so that they brought the sick, and here's the key, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches in the middle of Highway 79, y'all. They, they had so many people. They stopped traffic and nobody could even get here. They took over the roads. They couldn't get in Solid Rock Church, but they heard about what was happening. So they brought the sick. They laid them in the parking lot. They laid them in the, in the street because they knew that at some point Peter, when he got through preaching, was going to make sure that he walked through the crowd and made sure he was able to greet and speak into everybody's life. So they knew they couldn't get him into the Solomon's porch. But watch this. So they brought the sick into the streets, laid them on beds and couches. Watch this. That at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. 
You see my shadow right there? I got another one right there. I got another one right there. My God, I got a bunch of shadows. I got one right there. I got one, two, three, four. I got at least four shadows. Now watch this. So in other words, if you read this in context, if you read, or you read this in, in the way it makes sense to the natural mind, it would mean, I swore I'd never do this, but come up here, Austin. Get up, get up here, get up here, get up here. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you, son. Get up here, get up here. I'm going to teach you. One day you're going you, to learn. Get up here, get up here, get up here, get up here. Oh, I know. Once he gets it, then he's going to train them. All right, lay down right there. Lay down, lay down, lay down. Let, just lay down. You're sick. You're sick. Okay. All right. So he's falling, and he's about to get up. Now watch this. Don't move. You're, you're paralyzed from the neck down. You can't move at all. No, you're not froze that way. You can't pick your arms up. There you go. All right. So, so now watch this. This is how it sounds. They brought them and they laid them there so that just possibly Peter, look how they looked at Peter, that Peter would somehow, while he's walking, talking, and preaching, would move and at that moment, they would be healed. But now listen. Stay down. Listen. Multitudes gathered from the surrounding cities in Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And they were, wait a minute, shout, and they were, now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. You're going to tell me that there were so many sick, so many demon-possessed people that they couldn't get them in the building. They were already in the building, but those that were trying to still get there too couldn't get in the building. So the building was full of them. The parking lot was full of them. The streets were full of them. And you're going to tell me that Peter was strategic enough wherever the sun was set. The reason I have four shadows right now is because I'm being hit by lights in multiple directions. Because all a shadow is, is that something is standing between the light and the earth. That's all it is. When an eclipse happens, the sun doesn't go away. The whole earth is in a shadow. <laughs> if you want to be technical, in the natural, a total solar eclipse is the only way we could naturally understand what it really looks like in the spirit. When Jesus shines his glory on us. Because at that moment, if you just happen to be in the path of the eclipse, everyone, every tree, every house, every car, every person, whether they want to admit there's a sun or not, are standing in the shadow of the sun. The moon just simply got in between the sun and us. Oh, you ain't hearing me. 
So you're going to tell me, do you realize that's thousands of people? At the very least, hundreds upon hundreds of sick and tormented people. You're going to tell me that every day Peter made, a, made sure that he walked around and made sure his shadow hit every single one of them because he'd only have a shadow in one direction most of the time. So he'd have to have an assistant that made sure he was always constantly doing this. But that's the way we've preached it, and that's the way I've preached it. That he was so anointed that even his shadow would heal the sick. Until this week when I was studying. See, the Bible says that they were not just trying to get to Peter. The word shadow, everybody say shadow. This is going to be deep. Are y'all ready? The word shadow in the original Greek means, are you ready? Shadow. So that ain't deep. Well, well, when I read that, I was like, okay, okay, that's pretty good, God. We, we, shadow means shadow, okay. But then I went on down and I read right past it. Go back to that scripture where it says the shadow. Go back. Now watch this, what it says. It says, so that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might what? Fall on some of them. Mm. I looked up the word fall. This is what I found. The word fall means. Shadow means shadow. But fall doesn't necessarily mean fall the way we think. Here's what fall is. The word apischiazo. Apischiazo means this. To envelop in a haze of brilliancy. To invest with preternatural in influence or to overshadow. Y'all still ain't got it because y'all don't got what I started off with. Y'all done forgot where I, where I preached about 20 minutes ago. You won't forget it when I continue reading Strong's. Second definition. Right out of Strong's, to throw a shadow upon. In other words, Peter was throwing some shade. To envelop in a shadow. How many knows a shadow doesn't naturally envelop? It casts. Envelop means to surround, to encase. In, 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 in Are you with me? I'm just reading right out of Strong's. To envelop in a shadow, and it says it again, to overshadow. And here's what Strong says at the end. Because a lot of times they'll give you an example of how that word would be used. This is the example that it says. Not back where I was talking about earlier, but in this instant of when the Bible talks about the shadow of Peter might fall upon the, this is what it says. This word is used to speak of the Holy Spirit exerting creative energy upon the womb 
of the Virgin Mary to impregnate the womb. And the use of this word implies and should be drawn from the same instance. Now what that means is this. It was never Peter's shadow to begin with. They brought them to Peter, but it wasn't on, it wasn't Peter, it was who was on him, and not just on him, but was emanating. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. See, the reason I got a shadow when I walk out there in the sun is because we just got a natural sun that shines in one direction. But the S-O-N, baby, shines in every direction. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. So the Bible says the anointing that was on Peter was the glory that came on Mary. So everywhere Peter went, he was impregnating people with expectation of miracle. It wasn't him. It was the Holy Spirit engulfing, emanating, encasing everything around him. Are y'all hearing me? <laughs> See, what you got to understand something is this. I'm not talking about a tickle. I'm not talking about a goosebump. I'm talking about an encounter with God and an anointing that will come on you. This is that. That was never intended to just be uh, only linear. Yeah, I could look at you and I can pray for you, and I can lay hands on you, but I'm supposed to walk in something that even when I ain't even thinking about it, I'm emanating and engulfing the room. I'm changing the environment. I'm tired of Christians that are thermometers just reflecting the environment. When you walk under an anointing like this, when you, come, when you walk in the room, everything falls into the shadow of what is on you, and a cold room becomes hot if you're hot. A hot room becomes cold if you're cold you got something that casts a shadow in every direction because it ain't just about who's in me that's first because that's my that's my way into the to the kingdom of God that's my sonship when I allow Jesus to come into my heart I am saved but I got him in me and I got him on me now, hang on, brother. I'm going to let you get up in a second. Listen to this. This is what you've got to get. Oh, James chapter 1, verse 17. <laughs> you've got to see this. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from where is from above and comes down from the father of what wait a minute with whom 
There is no variation and no shadow of turning. Oh, do you see? When he is light, since his light from heaven on you, there is no turning and variation. There is no direction. It's just all. And when it hits you, it don't matter how you turn. There is no shadow. There is no shadow when you turn, when you are enveloped in the light and the fire of the glory of God. You may cast a shadow in the natural, and that's all they knew to equate it with. It's because everybody, when he walked by, get ready. As soon as I walk by and my shadow hits you, boom, healed. Now watch this. Listen, stay with me. I'm not trying to be funny. But if there was a variation and if it was just my shadow that healed him, what about this dude on this side when the sun's shining right there? God is no respecter of persons. And when you come with expectation, that's why when we have a miracle service, if you'll come expecting a miracle, I got news for you. He's going to shine on you because God's not going to pick and choose who he shines on. Now watch it. So that guy thought I was just lucky enough to hit his shadow. But there was something on Peter that's been on very few people that's ever walked this planet. When he walked through the room, he was not, now in the natural, I'm sure he was casting a shadow, but I'm talking about in the spirit. In the spirit, he was not casting a shadow in one direction. He was casting a shadow in every direction. When I read that, that it is to be used and implied that when the shadow would fall upon them, it is to be understood as an overshadowing the same exact way that a virgin was impregnated with the miracle of the birth of Jesus Christ. Somebody give him praise right now. Somebody give him praise right now. Somebody get up on your feet and praise him right now. Somebody make a shout right now. Hey, you're healed, man. Get up. You're healed. Give him a shout right now. Give him a high. Give him a shout. Give him a shout, man. Is that the best you can do? I'm telling you, I'm pregnant right now. I'm pregnant with a miracle. I'm being overshadowed. <sighs> Stay on your feet for a minute. Do you understand what that means? That means if we'll get this revelation, you can come with an expectation. But remember, I know you ain't got to have that kind of move to be in a church building and have that kind of move. But don't forget the buildup of when it happened. They prayed. They were in unity. They came together in one place. They didn't forsake the assembling of themselves together. They shouted with boldness. They had boldness. 
All of these were ingredients. And when they all got together in that ingredient, and they let everything else go, they didn't matter. But as Sandy was saying earlier, and Delane was saying, to be in the presence of God is all that matters in that moment. Then all of a sudden, all the man of God had to do was just say, receive. He didn't have to touch him. He didn't have to talk to him. He just spoke. And the glory of God overshadowed them. And the Bible was clear. And they were all healed. I got news for you. His natural shadow did not touch all. But yet they were all healed. So it tells me that it has nothing to do with Peter, but everything to do with what and who was on Peter. Can I tell you? We are the moon. We're supposed to be the moon. Did y'all get what I just said? When the moon perfectly lines up with the S-U-N, everyone experiences the overshadow. Oh, you can, if you make special glasses, you might could look up and see a tiny dot of an example. And I saw it. If y'all saw that last one, we went to Tennessee and saw it. Or Georgia, where were we? Georgia. It was literally one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in, on any level in my life. It was a spiritual experience. It was like when that went full, when it went, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I just got a revelation. We had those special glasses on, and we would watch it because you can't look at the sun. You go blind. So we watched through those special glasses. As, that, as the moon just went further and further and further. And then every, the crowd just started. We were in a group of hundreds and hundreds of people just sitting on the side of a, of a road looking up. And the, as it was getting closer and closer and closer and the sun was disappearing, the crowd, am I telling the truth, it just started just, just screaming and yelling. It was just like you could just feel... Just these people, many of them, they didn't even believe in God. But they were there, and you could just feel your hair just start standing up on the head. And all of a sudden, you could just feel this expectation. And all of a sudden, it was yellow. It was orange. And it was all of a sudden. And then, boom, it was 100%. And they had told us we had, what, how many minutes? Six minutes, something like that. Was that right? Five, six minutes? Wasn't that long? Three minutes, probably. Three minutes, probably three something. Because the next one's going to be 11 minutes, I think. This one was almost three minutes. They said, at that moment, take off your glasses. So he's looking through the glasses, and when we saw it, you could hear people yelling. And then you took off your glasses. And for the first time in your human life, with nothing protecting our eyes, I was able to look directly at the sun. And I'm telling you, no video can do what I saw. I stood there in awe. We had video cameras. We had smartphones. And all of a sudden, I just looked at everybody and said, we've got video. Put them down. Don't. I started yelling at people. Don't look at this memory through a lens. 
see it with your eyes right now. And everybody just started dropping their cameras. And we didn't care if nobody ever saw our video. We just stood there and gazed. All the street lights in the middle of the day. It was 1 o'clock in the afternoon. All the street lights came on. All over. Lights inside of buildings started flickering on. It literally went from total sunshine to night. Total darkness. All the dust to dawns kicked on. It had an eerie haze, didn't it? It was like it was a, you could look around and you could see that it was dark, but it was like a brown haze on everything. We were looking around looking, colors changed. Am I right? The colors of cars changed. The horizon changed. Everything changed. All within a matter of minutes. We were looking around and we was like, the whole world looks different right now. In a matter of minutes, you could see almost like a sunrise. Light started going back off. Next thing you know, you couldn't look anymore. And in a matter of minutes, it was back to sun. Can I tell you something? That's the only way anyone can ever see Jesus. Because the Bible said no man can see God and live. But now he's told us to come boldly to the throne of grace. Approach me. How do we approach him? How do we see him? How do we encounter God face to face? We encounter God face to face through him operating under his people. How many knows when I lay hands upon the sick and they recover? I didn't do anything. But the way you receive Jesus when I lay my hands on you, Randy, is because I'm an eclipse of this S-O-N of where there is no shadow of turning. I don't mean this to be cocky because I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about every human being that's ever received Jesus Christ as their Savior. You want to see Jesus? Look at me. I'm not Jesus. I don't mean to be Jesus. I'm, there's one. There's two sure things in life. One, there's a God, and two, you're not him. Don't twist my words. But I'm telling you, the way they hear Jesus is through us. The way they feel Jesus is through us. The way they get a healing miracle is through us. The way they are blessed financially, the way the poor are taken care of, the way the homeless are taken care of is through us. The way churches are planted and people all over the world hear the gospel is through us. Somebody shout, this is us. Shout, this is us. I feel like something's brooding. I feel like we are being overshadowed. And someone's about to give birth to a miracle. If you're here today and you've got some things that you know are standing between you and that birthing process and you need to get them right with God, that's what these altars are for. I'm going to take about 30 seconds and I'm going to give you an opportunity to come and pray. And let me lead you in a prayer that will take you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Come on.
I promise you there is one that you'll have the faith to come. Others will follow you. But their faith is just, their boldness is just not quite where you are. But they're sitting there going, I don't want to be the only one up there. I don't want spotlight on me. Will you help them? Will you be bold and take care of your mess so that you can help somebody else have the boldness to take care of them? That's part of what this is us is. Sometimes you got to suck it up and do something for the others. Thank you, sister, for obeying the Lord. I appreciate this. I appreciate. See, I told you. See, I told you. Who else is coming? Who else is coming? You want to come and kneel? You can. You can come and stand. You can come and kneel. Who else is coming? I knew it. I knew it. There's more that need to come right now. There's more that need to come right now. Listen, you're a solid rock church. If you, if you thought you was going to get out here at 12 o'clock, you, you forgot where you were. Come on. Come on. They're still coming. They're still coming. They're still coming. They're still coming. Come on. If my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Come on. Then I will hear their prayer from heaven. I will heal their land. Thank you, son. Thank you, son, for obeying the Lord. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? You know, here's how I live my life. I remember as a young man being in services just like you, being out there listening to the preacher. And saying things like this in my mind. God, what would one more time make on it to make a difference? I have promised you and promised you and promised you. And I have failed you so many times. What is going up there one more time going to do, God? Because I know me, I'm going to fail. And I would hear the Holy Spirit saying, just come one more time. Watch what happens. Thank you, son. Thank you. And I'll never forget that night that I finally came. And it wasn't the last time I came. But I fell down and I just said, God, I just, I've already said everything I need to say to you a thousand times. I don't know what else to say. But that God, I surrender. I'll never forget saying that. I said, I got nowhere to go. I'm living in my truck. I'm homeless. I have nowhere else to go but you, and I'm just asking you, God, help me. I surrender. That was the same night that would who would become my sweet mother-in-law. No idea at that time she was just a leader in the church that I was going to as a young boy. Sister Elaine Motes came over to me and didn't even know me. And she said, son, I feel like I need to give you something. She gave me a little strip of paper. She said, don't open it. Just stick it in your pocket. When you leave tonight, just look it, look at it and go find it in the Bible. I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that. My future mother-in-law, that had no clue, me and Sandy were not even talking. I waited till the end of the service and I didn't know what it was. I saw the paper. I went and found my Bible and opened it up. My future mother-in-law, elder of this church, mighty woman of God, just simply wrote James 4, 7. It says, therefore resist the devil and he will flee from you. I'm telling you right now, that word changed my life. I realized I don't have to listen to him anymore. 
I don't have to be dictated by my past, what's going on in my present, and any fear of the future. I'm just going to tell that devil to shut up in the name of Jesus. And he shuts up.